week one is here and with that comes predictions not only for Penn State but for the season overall. This is the Blue Gold Sports Podcast. What's up everybody? Wesley Shoemaker, Patrick Renau back with you today with another exciting episode of the Blue Gold Sports Podcast. Football is back, football is back, scream it from the top of your lungs, football is back. And with that comes West Virginia's week one trip to Penn State. Um, A lot to get into today. Let's first start off with just how you're feeling generally about this this weekend here, Patrick. Uh, I'm excited for it. I think it's going to be a good game. Um, Excited to have football back excited to just watch football excited to see the Mountaineers play again um yeah definitely excited for it yeah this team will be a lot different than what you saw week one last year at Pitt and it will also be a little bit different uh than what you saw against Oklahoma State last year at the end of the season but first things first we have a season to predict so we're just going to go game by game talk briefly and um kind of give our thoughts on how they're going to end up this year so we'll save Penn State for last at the end um, just because that's it's more fun that way so let's start with Duquesne Uh, I think it's fairly safe to say both of us are going to go win here yeah yeah uh, that's going to be a win should be a win if it's not a win Serious, 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 serious issues. But I'm not. I don't. I'm not yeah. even stepping in that territory. I don't think it's going to be even close to that bad. Um, Pitt, you go for you go first off Pitt, and then I'll go second. Um, I think Pitt's going to be a win. Um, I think with Pitt coming into Morgantown, it's going to be a very rabid crowd. Fans are going to be eager to watch that game. Um. Uh, you know, I think both teams look completely different than the two we saw play last year. Um, Pitt's got a new QB, new running back. West Virginia has a new QB. And, I mean, the starting running back was Tony Mathis last year, but that was the C.J. Donaldson breakout game. And now we're going to see a guy like C.J. Donaldson really get the ball more than he did in that game last year. So I think Pitt's going to be a win. Yeah, I just don't see a world that West Virginia loses that game. I just don't – like – in my head, it's almost impossible to see them lose that game just because of everything that they have going for them. If I had to be- bet on it, I bet game days here that weekend, um, especially with the the deal Pat signed with Pat McAfee signed with ESPN. I think they kind of reward him in that sense. Um, I think game days here, ABC 730, I just don't think you find a way to lose that game, especially in the brutal way you lost it last year. So for me, that's a dub as well. Uh, Texas Tech, that's an interesting game for me. Obviously, that's a team that, that Neil Brown has yet to beat since joining the Big 12. And Texas Tech has top 25 Big 12 aspirations, and they are that good, especially on offense. We saw this team go to Lubbock last year and just get destroyed. I think no matter if it was Texas Tech, Duquesne, or anyone else on the schedule following Pitt, there's going to be some sort of an emotional letdown especially if it's a loss. Um, With that being said, I do think this game will be close. I just think Texas Tech's offense will just, at at the end of the day, outscore West Virginia. So I'm going to go with Texas Tech winning this one. Yeah, I I don't see us beating Texas Tech. Um, 
that's kind of been a team that not only with Neil Brown, but with Dana Holgerson, West Virginia tended to struggle against, even if West Virginia had the better team and the better roster, Texas Tech always plays West Virginia close. And if they aren't playing West Virginia close, it's because they're up by a lot. So I think, I think Texas Tech comes out of Morgantown with a win that weekend. Moving on, TCU. Um, not a ton to say about the Horned Frogs other than that they were in the national championship game. However, that team and this team, I think, will be very, very, very different. Obviously, mm-hmm. no Max Duggan. Lost a lot, I feel like, on defense. Uh, you're going to Fort Worth end of September to end what is a brutal brutal first month of the year if you're the Mountaineers you go first here with your prediction and I'll follow you up um I think West Virginia is going to be able to squeak out of Fort Worth with a win that game uh I think it's going to be a very close game Uh, I see it coming down to a game-winning field goal a game-winning drive a game-winning stop it's going to come down to a game-winning play on the final drive of the game and I think West Virginia is able to squeak out of Fort Worth with a win I think I think they lose this game. I just I I don't know. I just feel like that's a lot of football against a lot of quality teams in a short amount of time. Um and I just think going on the road to that environment will be tough. That's your first road game that you have since the first opening week at Pitt. Um so to me I just don't see a way. I I just really just don't see them winning that game. I mean, I think they keep it close. I think you're right. I think it's a close game. However, I just think at the end of the day, TCU gets it done. So uh, you're at three and one, excluding Pitt, uh, excluding Penn State, excuse me, and I'm at two and two. Moving on to the month of October, the West Virginia former coach of the 2010 Bowl, uh, when the Mountaineers go to Houston on a Thursday night game. Uh, So that will be interesting. It's one of those things where I kind of hate it for West Virginia that they have to play on a Thursday. This is twice in the last two years they've gotten hit with that. You're going to get a bye week, but then you have a short bye week because then you have to play on a Thursday the following week after the bye week, which I think is then what's the point of having the bye week. But that's that's whatever. They did that with Baylor this past year at home. This time they're going to the state of Texas, going to new Big 12 team Houston. I think Houston is the worst team in this league. I think West Virginia wins it. No matter what the Dana storyline is, no matter what anything else has to do with it between head coach versus head coach, I just think West Virginia finds a way to beat win that game. And just as I said with Pitt, Neil Brown is not going to lose to the dude who was here before him. Yeah. Um I I don't see West Virginia leaving Houston without a win that weekend or that week. Um, I don't think Houston is going to be a very good football team this year. Uh, I, they didn't really improve much from last year, and now you're coming into a tougher conference, tougher schedule, uh, you know, tougher teams playing against better players. I I don't see Houston winning that game. I see West Virginia winning that game. Moving on. Homecoming, your first home game in literally a month. Uh, this this schedule is so weird once you get into it. Three home games kind of off the bat, and you don't play at home again until late October. Either way, uh, Oklahoma State, that's a team you went on the road and beat in a monsoon at the end of last year. Uh, and you did it with both Garrett and Nico. And although Oklahoma State really wasn't playing for anything at the end of the year, 
Um, and they had some injuries and they were beat up. That's that's a that's that was a good team for a majority of the year last year. Um, they were ranked inside the top fifteen, maybe even in the top ten. Um, I think so. That's going to be a good game. Uh, homecoming's always fun, always brings joy, and I think I think on a little bit of a longer rest from the Houston game, um, good vibes going back home. I think they get it done against the Cowboys. Um, I see, I see the Cowboys winning this game. Um, I think Mike Gundy comes in and out coaches Neil Brown in that game. Uh, just, he brings his experience to the table when I think he out coaches Neil Brown to give Oklahoma State the win in that game. Pivoting now, UCF going down to the bounce house of the 2017 national champions, uh, playing UCF. They, uh, they're an interesting team to me. They have talent. Um, they are new to the Big 12, and so I kind of want to see how their talent and history compares. Uh, for me, it's going to be two similarly styled quarterbacks with uh, John Reese Pumley and uh, probably Garrett Green playing each- against each other. Um, two dual threat guys, baseball backgrounds, and I really want to go with the Mountaineers. I just think that's going to be a really tough place to play. I could so see this game being like a FS1 730 kick type game. And I just think that place would be rocking and it would be a tough environment. And I'm not going to say UCF's not going to be a good team because I think they have the ability to finish in the top half of this league. Um, so I'm going to go with UCF. I think just that's a hard way to end the month is going to that place. Um Going to that place, first time in Florida. Weather's going to be quite different in Morgantown than in Florida at that point in late October. So I'm going to go with UCF. Yeah, I'm going to have to take UCF in this game too. Uh, the bounce house is going to be uh, just an electric environment whenever that game is played, whether it's noon, 4.30, 3.30, 7.30, 8 o'clock. Uh, you're going to have an environment that um, – is going to be probably the craziest day they will have been in since the Pitt game and the Penn State game at the very beginning of the season. So, and then you take the weather in. So I'm going to take UCF in that game. Turning the calendar to November, you get four four teams, uh, four games, two at home, two on the road, um, and it's your most consistent home road, home road uh, back and forth of the year. It all starts with BYU coming to town on November 4th. That is a long trip for the boys from Utah. And I don't know. I just have a feeling that somehow West Virginia finds a way to win. I don't really know why. My brain's just telling me the Mountaineers are going to somehow beat BYU in that game. Yeah, uh, I see the Mountaineers beating BYU. Um, and same thing here, just my head. I keep thinking back to that. BYU game six, seven years ago, Skylar Howard versus Taysom Hill. And you want to talk about late night football? That was late night football. Oh, oh no, yeah. no, you're talking about the one. You're, I'm, I'm thinking of a different game. You're talking about the one at FedEx. I was there. Yeah. That was a fun game. That was a fun game. That was a fun game. Yeah. You're thinking of the Arizona State. I'm thinking game. of the Arizona State game because it was out West and everything with BYU makes me think West. No, you're right. Yeah. yeah. That was the game of FedEx where they got the interception at the goal line late. And yeah. yeah. Yep. Go ahead. Keep going. Yeah, uh, I just keep thinking back to that game where they just kind of found a way to come out of there with a win. I think they're going to do the same thing in Morgantown in November. 
Let's hope. Let's hope because it does not get any easier seven days after that when you have to travel to Norman, a place that has haunted this team. Um, last trip to Norman was in 21, and you lost a three-point game where you had every opportunity to win. I think Oklahoma is going to be one of the three best teams in the Big 12 this year. Um, I just don't really see a way you go into that place and win, uh, especially if you're teetering around five, six wins at that point. Um, and they're teetering as to be in the conversation for the Big 12 title game and possibly a college football playoff spot. They're going to be at home. They're going to have their crowd behind them, and they're going to get the win. Yeah, uh, I don't see the Mountaineers coming out of Norman with the win. That place has haunted them forever, like you said, whether it's snaps over the head or just getting blown out. Um, it's just Norman has never worked in the favor of the Mountaineers, and I don't see it being any different this year. Two games to go. Cincinnati, you're new, what they're going to try and make your collegiate Big 12 rivalry, regional rivalry, uh, whatever you want to call it. Bearcats coming into Morgantown. Senior day, uh, last home game of the year. I think I think West Virginia closes out the home slate with a W. I just, I don't know. I think, I think they're going to play well at home this year. I think... Um, I think there's going to be a level of support that we haven't seen the last couple of years, especially last year, especially if you beat Pitt early and hang in there with Penn State. Um, I just think this team's going to be fun to watch because they're. I think they're going to be competitive in a lot of games. It's not saying they're going to win a lot of games. I just think they're going to be competitive because that's what kind of I feel like Garrett Green brings to the table. He's going to be competitive. He's going to keep you in a lot of ball games. And let's be honest, the defense can't really be much worse than it was last year and if they're any better than last year they're going to keep you in a lot of games and you miss out on texas you miss out on kansas state two of the better teams in the league so you're going to therefore have a better chance at winning more of these games but cincinnati i think you win i think you end out your home season home slate on the good side of things yeah i've got i've got cincinnati kind of rivaling houston for that bottom of the barrel spot in the conference this year um channel the old big east rivalry it's going to be a heated game and i see the mountaineers coming out on top in that game and last but not least baylor uh, mountaineers beat the bears last year uh dave aranda obviously is a fantastic head coach um but this this weird first game two days after thanksgiving is such an odd odd game especially when you don't have a ton to play for like if you're bowl eligible and you're not vying for a conference championship and the other team's not vying for a conference championship it's kind of just a eh, a meh kind of game to me but i'm gonna go with the bears winning on the road in this league's hard uh and beating baylor who i think is going to be a solid team is going to be hard too yeah, I'm going to have to go with Baylor in this one too. Waco, just another one of those places that has haunted the Mountaineers for their entire tenure in this conference. Um, Dave Aranda, great coach, like you said. I think he outcoaches Neil Brown in this game. And yeah, I, I've got the Bears in that one. Pivoting a little bit now. Um... Let's talk about, while we're still on the season topic, let's talk about floors and ceilings. There's a lot of talk you see, whether it be on social media, between uh, national media, of 
what's a team's floor and what's a team's ceiling? And for those of you who might not know, it's basically saying what's the worst the team could finish and what's the best the team could finish. There's been some talk amongst people who I don't think have enough credibility to talk about the West Virginia football team this year saying their floor is one or two wins. I personally just think that is ridiculous. This team is better than people think. Their over-under win total is four and a half. If I were betting, I would definitely probably take the over. I think you get to at least five, six wins. I think they go bowling this year. I just think that you're going to be in a lot of games and you're going to have the chance to win. And if you're tied in the fourth quarter or you're within one possession in the fourth quarter, a lot of crazy things can happen. Uh, And so maybe I'm just crazy or maybe I have some sort of sense to me, but I think their floor is four or five wins. I'm going to say their floor is four wins because the first month of the season is really hard, but I'm going to say floor is four and eight for this team. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you. Maybe three and nine, just with how brutal that schedule can be, but I like four and eight. Um, I'm at that three and nine, four and eight range for that floor for this team. As far as ceiling goes, I know I picked this team in that little pick em, quick pick em we just had to have seven wins. However, I think their ceiling is going to be seven wins. Um, while we might want to say, oh, look, this team is built to be in games with a good running game and a great offensive line and experience on the back end of their defense and a lot of returners on that defense and a quarterback who will improve throughout the year, most likely, and a lot of running backs, right? Like there's all these good things. However, it's still hard to win football games. And until we see that this team can start to win seven, eight or more games in a year, there's no reason to say, in my opinion, that they can win more than seven games in a year. So until I can see it, I'm going to say their ceiling is seven wins. Um, and I guess I'll say it's really eight if you count a bowl game, but I'm not counting bowl games. So I'm going to go their ceiling is seven and five. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that on seven and five. I think, I think if they can hit eight wins, it's going to be squeaking out from one of those games that, um, we picked them to lose in and they just, if you're, if you're getting to eight wins, you're beating UCF. Yep. And you're probably either beating one of Texas Tech, TCU, or Baylor. And then yeah. you also have to go through your home slate of Cincinnati, BYU, Oklahoma State, Pitt, and win all those games as well. Yeah. I think realistically it's seven, but if they can squeak out one of those road wins against one of the one of those top teams in the conference they can make it to eight. But realistically, we're looking at a seven-win ceiling for this team. And truthfully, I think if you get to eight wins with the bowl game win, I think that's a fantastic year. For where mm-hmm. you are picked to finish at dead last in this conference, heck, if you make if you make a bowl game from where you're selected to finish, I think that's also a great year. So because they're picked to finish at the bottom of the conference, like it's like, oh, it's only up from here, right? Well, Maybe we'll have to wait and see on that. So moving on now to let's go. We'll go to Penn State. 
Um, Penn State, Penn State, Penn State. Who? It is a beast within itself. Just saying those two words of Penn and State together, it's kind of like a nightmare for some people. So Happy Valley, night game, NBC, as Neil Brown calls it, it's a bunnier game. I thought that was pretty funny. Um, bunnier game, if you don't get the reference, he liked to call some of the younger people of me out in the room saying, oh, these young people don't know what the little bunny ears on TVs are. So it's on cable television. Everyone can get it anywhere in the country um as long as you have signals so penn state uh let's just talk about them a little bit they will probably if i do i put almost everything i have that drew aller's going under center to start at quarterback for penn state on saturday with that he's a true sophomore former five-star quarterback played in 10 games last year had success played in the fourth quarter bunch uh played in their first game too when their starter went down and he's really talented he's a big big kid almost 250 pounds, six foot five. So hard to bring him down for sure. Uh, he's, he's going to be, he's going to be the focus of that offense. Penn state 11 and two, seven and two last year. Their only two losses were to Ohio state at home, Michigan on the road, two teams that made the college football playoffs. So obviously not a bad couple of losses there. Um, if you look at how Penn state wins football games, it's by, Running the ball and stopping the run. Uh, they're 13-0 over the past two seasons when they're rushing for 125-plus yards. And in their two losses last year, they only rushed for 111. Yes, only. Um, three times in that stretch of their 13-0, they have rushed for under 150 yards. So that is pretty impressive. Um so let's talk about it. Let's uh let's go through. They have two running backs, Nicholas Singleton, Katron Allen. Both are really, really good. And then their defense is legit as it gets. So uh just your overall thoughts on Penn State and what you think they bring to the table here, Patrick. Um, I think Penn State is they've got the potential to make the playoff. They've got the potential to be a team that you see go 12 and 0 and beat Ohio State and beat Michigan. And, you know, they're going to have to start with us. Uh, When I think of Drew Aller, who, you know, we presume is going to be under center, you know, 6'5", almost 250 pounds. He gives me that Colin Klein type of build at quarterback. And we all remember how good Colin Klein was and what he did to the Mountaineers. Um, At the running back, you've got a transfer at the running back from Minnesota who you know, we saw how he performed behind that Minnesota O-line. And he's going to be the third string running back. Yeah. Yeah. So that is, that is a team full of depth. That is a team full of talent. And that is a team full of size. And it's it's going to be a tough game for the Mountaineers. Couple of, a couple of names to keep out there. Olu Fashanu at left tackle. He's going to be a probably a top 15 pick in this year's draft. Kalen King, the quarterback. They lose Joey Porter Jr. You think they can't replace him? Well, they just did with another NFL body. Abdul Carter at the linebacker position. Led the team in sacks last year. And then Chop Robinson, who caused havoc on the Mountaineers at Maryland. He's back, this time with Penn State, and to cause more chaos. So that offensive line is going to sure have their hands full. Um, however, I think if there's any group you want to have their hands full on this team, it is that O-line with their experience. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's an O-line that they've been together for. This will be, what, their third year together now? All of them? For the most part between them, yep. Yeah. 
because my, you know, you've had Frazier there since 2020. So this will be the third year of Nestor, Milam, and Frazier all together. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a group that they've been together. They've worked together. They all know each other very well. Um, Yeah, if you want anybody to have their hands full, especially with a team like that and a line like that, you want it to be that that offensive line group. Let's talk about the venue a little bit. Obviously, it's kind of as close to a whiteout as you can get. They're having their helmet stripe game, meaning there's going to be the sections uh, with along the 50-yard line are going to be in blue, and everyone else is going to be in white. Uh, Penn State is 24-5 and five at home from 2018 to 2022. That is excluding the COVID year when there were no fans. And out of those five losses, only – Two of them are the teams not named Michigan and Ohio State. So hands are certainly going to be full. Let's start here. What does West Virginia have to do to win? For me, it's going to start with obviously stopping the run and controlling the clock. These new clock rules can help you as much as you want if you're West Virginia because if you can run the ball, get first downs, and kind of feel like you're Navy in the sense of you're taking these six, seven-minute drives, and you're able to finish a couple of them with touchdowns, then you're going to be good. On the flip side, if you stop the run and you're forcing pressure, and I don't mean pressure in his face. I mean you're forcing Drew Aller to win the game in his first start on that stage. That's no matter who it is, if it's Joe Burrow or Drew Aller or Pat White, like that's a that's a hard ask when you're that young and you're making your first start. Mm-hmm. Um, it's even more pressure if you're the Penn State quarterback and you're supposed to win this game by three touchdowns. So if you're West Virginia and you can hang around and you're forcing Aller to make a lot of decisions and the game is in his hands rather than the hands of these two star running backs, then I think you're that's your best path to victory, in my opinion. Yeah, I think the best thing that the Mountaineers can do this weekend is just try and keep the ball out of Penn State's hands and just keep that clock running, keep that clock in your favor. Try and make try and make Drew Aller make the plays, you know, get him out of the pocket, see what he can do with his legs, see what he can do throwing on the run. You know, try and you got to try and rattle this guy. Um and then you have to the story of West Virginia the last couple of years, you have to limit those false starts and things like that on the offensive side of the ball. And in Beaver Stadium, where it's going to be over a hundred thousand people, it's going to be loud. You got You have to be prepared for that. For for what it's worth, uh, on Monday when we had our interviews, they were playing Mo Bamba from the speakers from the indoor practice facility. And for those of you who don't know, just go on YouTube and look up Michigan Penn State whiteout and you will understand the context to that joke. But anyways, uh, for me, it's like, it's like this. It's if you're West Virginia, you aren't expected to win this game. But at the same time, you're almost in a spot with Neil Brown that, if you don't win, like there's even more question marks surrounding the program and surrounding the future of it. So you're kind of in a lose-lose situation there, but one could argue, and we'll talk about this now, is that 
you're a three touchdown underdog in week one of the season against the number seven team in the country who has not only college football playoff aspirations, but national championship aspirations. This is supposed to be the best team they've had in years. They're supposed to have the quarterback now. They have the defense, obviously. They have the skilled players around the quarterback. Um, So if you're West Virginia, you're really not supposed to compete with these guys. My question for you is, and I'll let you answer this first, is let's say West Virginia loses similarly to that Oklahoma game in 2021. They keep it close, they keep it close, they keep it close, you lose late. Would you be okay with a close loss because of how good this Penn State team is? I think to be okay with a close loss with the state the with the state West Virginia program is in and with how good Penn State is to be okay with a close loss it would almost need to be not in the sense of the Oklahoma game because there were several question marks after that game about the offense you know only putting up 13 points but I think if you can keep if the Mountaineers can keep it to a game where you know you lose 28 25 28 24 28 21 something like that where the offense looks respectable but the defense also looks respectable i think that's probably the best type of moral victory they'll be able to get yeah for me it's almost like you're going to be on nbc and you're you have a lot to play for with the history although it's not recent history but with the history but also, like, you only have nine wins against this team, and you've been playing them for how long? So, like, there's there's only so much that you can do. And I hate to say you should be okay with a loss because I'm the type of person that says you're either on the good side or the bad side. It's either a win or a loss, and that's that. However, when it comes to something like this, when you're dealing with that talent level, if you can prove that – you've gotten significantly better by hanging with this team, then I think that's a win. But, however, they also hung with TCU last year, and they were a worst drive and two screen passes on second and third down in their own territory after a pick against TCU from possibly going and winning that game. So it's like there's ways to beat good teams, and if you're West Virginia, it's almost, to me, like, Go win one of these games for once. Go finally turn turn everything around. Like, mm-hmm. why are we going to continue to be okay with these losses that say, oh, look, we're so close, but we still can't get the job done yet? Yeah. Um, I, the thing that's different about this game is you see it week one, and it just kind of gives you that hope of aspiration. With TCU last year, we'd seen – that team we'd seen that team crumble very early against texas just at the beginning of that month um so i think it helps with it being week one but those mid-season ones those almost just feel those feel like those fluky upsets or something where you know like the kansas oklahoma game a couple years ago where they kept it close and then Kansas is letting people in for letting the students in for free and anyone in for free so that people could go watch the Oklahoma game. Uh, I think with it being week one, a moral victory almost feels better than it would, you know, mid late October. 
I think I think you're right. I think it also feels better because it's no secret that if you play well in this game and you can keep it competitive, you have the college football world coming to you 14 days after for the backyard brawl. So you're playing for more than just the win or the loss because if you keep it close, I guarantee you game day's then making plans to say, let's go to West Virginia and see a good game. If you get blown out 48 to 10, I don't know if they're doing I don't know if they're doing those same plans. So best case scenario is you win, obviously. Second best yep. case scenario is you lose by a possession. Yep. Then I think there's a huge gap and it's you lose any other way. Yeah. Yeah. I worst case scenario is they lose by they lose by 30 or more. So before we give score predictions, um, let's go into over-unders. We crafted some over-unders looking at stats from last season, uh, trying to just think of numbers of where these guys will end up. So let's start here. Let's start on the defensive end, the one defensive over-under we have. West Virginia got four interceptions last year. Um, We'll go over-under four and a half interceptions. I'll start here over right like it almost seems like a slam dunk like it has to be over in a sense like there's no way you're gonna only get four interceptions again right like the way we hear about Aubrey Burks and how everyone around him has took taken a step up and how he's such a leader and how this defense has gotten so much better back to fundamentals they're putting guys in better positions like I almost think it'd be a like it'd be sort of malpractice to only get four interceptions this season yeah, I I don't see a world where West Virginia finishes the season with less than four interceptions. You know, you've got guys, uh, you've got guys in the locker room calling Aubrey Burks the best ball hawk on the team, one of the best ball hawks they've seen. You've got media outlets across the country saying Aubrey Burks is one of the best returning safeties in the conference in the country. Uh, you know, PFF, one of the highest graded from last year. It, I I just don't see a world, especially with the way they talk about how this defense has improved, that they don't finish with more than four interceptions this year. Yeah, I I fully agree. Uh, Let's go here. This is going to be an interesting one. Over under one and a half quarterbacks to start a game. Last year you had two. Uh, What what do you think we're going to end up at here this year? I want to I want to say we're going to stick with one but just you know who knows how this season's going to go whether it's injury bad play I want to I want to sit at one I think we're going to stick with Garrett Green the whole year or Nico whoever whoever we end up throwing in there I think it's going to be over I just think with the mobility factor of whoever starts that there's going to be an injury or it's going to get to a point where if you lose two in a row, it's going to be like, all right, let's see what the other guys got. Um, I I think it's going to be over. I think both quarterbacks are going to start at some point this year. Let's go to a little more fun one. CJ Donaldson over under 1000 rush yards. Do you think he breaks that 1000 yard mark? I think, I think CJ Donaldson's going to come very close to it, but with the running back room um, and especially CJ coming off that injury, I think they're going to try and almost limit him 
not as much as people think he's going to be limited, but I don't think CJ is going to be a, you know, 20 plus carry a game back, especially when you've got Jalen Anderson, all the other guys sitting there with him. Um, I think CJ, I think CJ hits about the 900 mark. I don't know if he's going to crack a thousand. I'm I'm on the exact same page as you. I think it's under, I think you have three running backs right now. You're going to have four with Jaheim white when he gets going and there's only so many touches to go around. So I think a thousand yards is a bit of a stretch and I agree with you. I don't think they're going to try and limit him. I just think they're going to be mindful of his carries. And I think they're going to see how he feels physically because Let's be real, he has not gone through a whole season ever as a running back. He was not a running back this time last year. He was still technically considered a tight end, and we hadn't even seen him touch the ball as a running back yet. So I'm going to say under just because of that factor and because you're going to have four running backs, I think, by October that you're working into the game plan. So that's mine on that. Over under 2,000 passing yards for the starting quarterback on Saturday. Whoever gets a start, whether it be Garrett or Nico, my guess is Garrett, your guess is Garrett. Um, I'm going to say 2,000. 2,000, let's say he plays all 12. I'm going to say under. I think there's this is going to be a run-heavy offense. I think the quarterback's going to do a lot of moving on the ground. I think I think I'm gonna go under. I just I just don't see a world where they throw the ball that much. I think you're gonna be the way the recipe for victory is to run the ball with your quarterback and your running backs. So why throw the ball more than you have to? Unless you're playing from behind, you're not gonna throw the ball a ton, I don't think. And I don't think they're built to throw the ball. So I'm gonna say that he's gonna go under two thousand yards, but they still can have a successful year if he's under two thousand yards. Yeah, um, I think I'm right there with you, under 2,000 yards. But you know, they can still be a good competitive football team with the starting QB throwing under 2,000 yards. I fully agree. Uh, last one for the quarterback: over under 700 rush yards. Uh, I'm gonna say over. I just think it. I just think they're going to run the ball a lot. And all you have to do is break a couple long ones of 60 plus, um, And you do that twice. And then you're kind of starting to creep up into the territory just based on the law of averages. Um, I'm going to say they get the starting quarterback, whether it be Nico or Garrett gets over 700 rushing yards. Uh, I, I got it. I think I got to go under on the 700, I think they're going to look at five, 600. Just there's so many guys on this football team who can run the ball, you know, with whoever starts at QB plus three or four more running backs right there. Um, I just, I don't see how the quarterback is going to be able to hit that 700 mark. All right, well, that is it for over-unders. Now let's get into the fun part. What we're going to do is we got five games. We're going to do this every week, and we're going to keep track. Um, and maybe the other whoever loses at the end of the year will owe the other one a drink. Let's let's just settle it at that. So five games this week, five games next week, five games till the end of the year. We'll do the West Virginia game last and give a score prediction for that. The rest, we will just simply pick the winner and loser. Let's start here. South Carolina, North Carolina should be fun. I'm going to go South Carolina, even though I think North Carolina is favored by like a point. Um, South Carolina showed me a lot late in the year last year. 
And I like Shane Beamer. I think he's a great coach. I'm going to go with South Carolina. Uh, I'm going to take the Tar Heels. I think Drake May is a Heisman candidate right there. Uh, reigning ACC player of the year, offensive player of the year. Um, he kept that team in a lot of games last year, and I think he's going to do it again this year. I think uh, Tar Heels are going to win that game. Colorado TCU, new Big 12 versus old Big 12-ish, sort of. TCU replaced Colorado, so I guess they're both old Big 12. But I'm going to go with TCU at home. I just – I. Deion Sanders is a great coach, I think. I think he's a great motivator. I, I think he's a great dude who wants to do good. 50 transfers or whatever, that's a lot of transfers trying to teach them football and to play together as one and not a lot of time. I just think also TCU is still talented and no way they go to the national championship and then lose week one, right? I'm going to go I'm gonna go TCU. Yeah, I, I got to go TCU with that one. Um, I think D. I think Dion's a great coach, but I also think Dion is going to be in for a bit of an awakening this year. Yeah, Jackson State and Colorado aren't quite the same, unfortunately. No. Uh, next game, Florida and Utah. Uh, Florida beat Utah last year. Uh, Utah's without Cam Rising uh, as he's still recovering from uh, knee injury. And I think Florida wins on the road. Yeah, um, I think Florida is going to come back and get them this year. Same thing. Um, no Cam Rising is a big hit for Utah. Um, I think he's the heart and soul of that team. And without him, I don't think they're going to be able to beat Florida. Speaking of Florida, have you seen the uh, Tim Tebow Florida new thing on Netflix? I haven't. Oh, okay. You should watch that. It's quite interesting. Um, moving on, that's besides the point. Florida State, another Florida school, LSU. It, would, it gave us a great game last year, and Florida State and LSU are both picked near the top of their respective conferences. Um, I'm going to take LSU. I think LSU has the chance to be a top 7, 8 team in the country by the end of this thing. Um and I just, I just, I, I'm just SEC over ACC right now. I'm gonna take, I'm gonna take LSU. I'm gonna go with the home team. I'm gonna go with Florida State. Um, I think Jordan Travis has the chance to be a top five QB in the country this year. Um, LSU's QB has that same potential, but I just have Florida State with that home field advantage. That stadium it's not is even in. Be. It's not in Tallahassee. It's at Camping World. Close enough. <laughs> Close enough, man. Close oh, enough. Oh, West Virginia's going to Penn State. Close enough. Oh, not quite. Um, now let's go to let's go to the game that matters, the one that people actually care for us to pick. We sound like idiots right now, but that's okay. Uh, West Virginia, Penn State. I'll go first. I think they keep it close to the fourth quarter. I think they lose by two, three scores. My final score prediction is going to be. Let's go. 34-17 Penn State Mountaineers cover. Uh, I think I'm going to go with – I'm going to go Penn State 41-28. to 28 points against Penn State's defense. Yeah, 
I think what so. What do you know that I don't? Holy cow. That is a, <laughs> that's a lot of points. I don't know if they can get above 20. That Penn State defense is legit as legit gets, as I said earlier. Well, that'll do it for this podcast. If you made it this far, we do appreciate you listening. We will come back to you uh, sometime this weekend, hopefully giving you a reaction pod from Penn State. Um, and it should be fun. NBC 730. Keep it locked there, as well as on our website, bluegoldsports.com, and follow us on all of our social media channels. I'm Wesley Shoemaker, joined by Patrick Renew, and this is the Blue Gold Sports Podcast. <laughs>